Hey, welcome to the Manchester Football Social. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast. Please make sure you have subscribed to it so you always get the next show as soon as it's ready. If you're a red or a blue as well, there are now separate channels. You can get the Manchester City Football Social or the Manchester United Football Social, whoever you follow. If you just search Manchester Football Social, wherever you find your podcasts, you will see all the options. I'm Jim. That's Steve Shanyaski. Hello. Who got a late call up for Statman Dave today. I was pondering whether to get in the bath. But <laughs> <laughs> I came rushing down Warming here. up on the bench. You, you could have done it from the bath. We should have got a mic out. <laughs> I'm in the bath right now. That's Steve McInerney in the bath. Uh, we'll talk to them more after the podcast. We didn't get around to Mike Dean. So some Mike Dean chat is on the way. If you make it all the way to the end of this podcast, it's a great show. Give it a listen. Enjoy. Manchester Football Social. We are off for another week. The Manchester Football Social is your place to talk about your team. Let me know what you want to talk about on tonight's show. What do you want to put on the agenda? Give me a call. 0345 7625 Only costs you the same as a local call. Or you can bob me a text if you like and we'll give you a bell straight back. 87711 is the number that you need there. Of course, there is going to be a whole load of chat about City and United this evening. And as always, we have one from each half of the City to represent their team team it was nine goals for manchester and zero goals for london this weekend which is means there's two smiling faces in the studio opposite <laughs> me on the red side this evening we have steve shanyaski hello steve. very happy what's been getting your goat this week oh well i just want to wonder could united ever achieve a six nil against uh, chelsea right now or do no. you <laughs> <laughs> the hell? Thank you. Move on. <laughs> and on the blue half we've got steve mcinerney evening steve uh, hello jim how are you very good sir i am absolutely buzzing at the moment that was an absolute tonking of chelsea a 6-0 yeah. battering after a 3-0 victory against arsenal only a week ago i want to know uh, from city fans if you're listening was this city's greatest ever premier league victory or greatest victory ever in the history of the club because it was that good and people should be very excited by it it just doesn't happen wins against top six teams in that kind of manner we've that done it before so it out there. <laughs> you, you were putting us in the the fourth place that we've coveted for like it seemed beyond our dreams two months ago. You're welcome. And then, wait, when it got to 4-0 <laughs> before the end of the first half, that's when I finally thought, yeah, we're definitely in top fourth now. Yeah, well, you can stay there. Yeah, you know, that's your level, I guess. Um, we'll, we'll have you with this. <laughs> right, I'm going to throw something else into the mix before we get stuck into on. this conversation. <laughs> There's been a massive change at Manchester United, no doubt, since the special one became the special gone. But is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer... Is he the manager that basically should have been appointed at Manchester United a little bit earlier? Is it him clearing out the dust after the storm? Or if he'd been there from day one of the Premier League season, do we think that Manchester United would now be challenging City and United for the title? Has his effect been that dramatic? We'll talk about it in a bit. Give us a call. Let us know your view. 0345 7625 is the number. Text number is 87711. If Solskjaer had taken charge in the summer, where would United be now? But we have to start in one place, and that is Manchester City. Steve, where'd you start? What do you talk about when you've just witnessed a performance like that? I don't think you just, oh, we're obviously going to talk about it, but sometimes you've got to sit back and just enjoy that. Uh, I was actually on holiday watching that in Lisbon, so life for me was absolutely <laughs> amazing. Sat there in Portugal watching a masterclass from Manchester City. E- I remember everyone from City w- was on holiday in some shape or form. Yeah, yeah, even we were people just... looking through the windows <laughs> of, a, of a TV shop that hadn't even got their own <laughs> telly, and they stood there without the shoes on watching it, <laughs> thinking, oh my gosh, look at City, they're incredible. It, yeah. it was... It was it, an, a, yeah, we sun lounges out watching that, but that was fantastic. <laughs> I was saying to you, Jim, two weeks ago that uh, up to this run of games that City not only needed to win, but we needed to win with style just to put the pressure on Liverpool, um, and we actually did that better than I could have expected. I mean, the kind of game yesterday where everything goes your way, and uh, you just have to sit back and um, thank the gods for that kind of display because um, yeah, things were going for us yesterday, and we pretty much earned that uh, that kind of display. It was phenomenal. It was really good. It sent a message to the rest of the Premier League. It sent a message to Liverpool. Um, um, and I just enjoyed watching it. Sometimes you just enjoy watching players at the peak of their performance, playing such great football, scoring such great goals. And weirdly, I don't even think Chelsea were that bad. You know, I think they've had probably worse performances than that. Um, City just made well, them look the really case? I didn't see the game live. I saw the highlights. And if you watch the highlights, you'd be forgiven for thinking that Chelsea just didn't turn up because it didn't look like they touched the ball. They did. They, they, did got, the they got demoralised so quickly, though. Yeah. Now, the, the tactics clearly were for City to attack... Jorginho and mm-hmm. and for 
um, for Chelsea to press high. And as soon as you got one or two goals, you could see that the whole of Chelsea just thought, we can't we can't win this. It was a poor press and from Chelsea. The whole thing it. fell apart. And when you watch it afterwards, there's just one or two players running. They're not all pressing. You can't do that. The whole thing has to go at once. But No, essentially, we had our Chelsea um, and Sarri in general, obviously trying to put his style on. And it's nowhere near uh, ready, nowhere near the kind of finely tuned machine that City are mm. now under Guardiola in the third season. Uh, essentially, we're just better and faster and stronger and more to the point. Um, but Chelsea did have a spell every now and then, but City were just clinical. And some of the football, uh, we just capitalised on any hesitancy they had in their game, any mistakes they made. And some of the goals, though, in particular, um, Aguero was obviously his rocket. Uh, yeah. And then the, the one-touch football, there's no team better in world football getting behind defences than City are we've trademarked that cutback goal now uh, we're just phenomenal at it. Um, <laughs> and straight after Aguero's goal was that not the one that Ross Bartley headed back and then so obviously they were caught that was that, was that one it's straight after the first Aguero's one, yeah. like 25 yarder yeah. was the one uh, well I think it was actually two goals after that where Ross Barkley just headed it back Aguero was literally just there waiting that to was pop the it third in goal, yeah, so um, then the whole the whole wheels were falling off there. and that's that was it then Chelsea just that was it you talked about them targeting Jorginho as well this is a player that City wanted in the summer Pep Guardiola targeted him to come to City do you like look at him and go we had a lucky escape there. Or is it just he's the wrong player in the wrong system? Um, he's a very, very good footballer. And against City last season, uh, he was very, very good once again. But uh, you're only as good as the players around you when you're that kind of footballer in terms of he's a deep-lying, to quote Twitter, regista. You know, a deep-lying playmaker. Very much in oh, the... what a regista? A regista, yeah. Regista sounds uh, delicious, essentially. regista. I'm sure I've ordered one of them in Italian at some point. <laughs> Chicken regista. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, um, no, um, well, he's a delicious footballer on his day. But he's obviously... <laughs> nice. He's playing... Uh, thank you. Uh, he's... He's playing in a system that the rest of the players aren't used to yet. And obviously he's getting a lot of criticism from Chelsea fans because he's Sarri's man and there's always a player that uh, is favoured by a manager. And obviously given the spend a lot of money, it makes sense. But I do think he would be a different kind of footballer under Guardiola because the system's more finely tuned. It's more uh, built around a play like that. As it is, for me, um, maybe it's been a blessing in disguise because uh, he couldn't. He might have not adapted to the Premier League as well. And it's, the signs are showing that. And maybe he doesn't have the physicality of the Premier League as well. What must Higuain? think turning up and, and, and having that that is the, one of the biggest tonkins in the Premier League definitely for Chelsea he must be absolutely well, mortified well he's he? just watched the master at work in Aguero and mm. he can learn from him so yeah but also his, his manager's going to be gone now you know full well Chelsea's going to get rid of absolutely surely they can't Sorry, get rid of until the summer surely they can't that's get rid what they do Chelsea, that's what the they do. The return of they Jose Mourinho. Oh, it's God. written in the stars. Please. <laughs> All the City players have been getting a load of praise. I think every single one of the players who took the pitch has been nominated for Man of the Match at some point. And we got Ollie on the phone who wants to make his nomination. Evening, Ollie. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? Very good. Thanks for coming on. So what are you saying? Who was your Man of the Match at the weekend? Bernardo Silva, hands oh. down. His work, his work rate, his passing, absolutely everything about him is just 10 out of 10. Unbelievable. I don't know why I'm so surprised because he's done it for week after week after week. Even last season when he was still learning the game of the Premier League, he's just been absolutely quality. He's the ultimate, ultimate Guardiola player. Yeah. And I am so proud to have him at City. Does it become very difficult now to pick your perfect City side, particularly when you're looking at midfield in the forward section, because there's so much talent there. And I was talking to someone at the weekend going, you've got Mares and Sane, who don't get in that first 11 anymore, <laughs> and they're, they're nowhere the near it. Yeah. It, it, it's mad, um, but I'm just so glad we've got a tactician like Guardiola who just can somehow make it work every week. Uh, like with the Arsenal lineup uh, last weekend when he had Fernandinho doing that false centre-back thing and managed to get all his midfielders in. I just think we, with a tactician like Guardiola who knows exactly what he's doing, he can always get the best player that week in. And Bernardo Silva is just undroppable at the moment. And what did he say in his press conference? Bernardo and 10 others. He's just, <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, for, for me, he's just been, he's been the underrated man of the match for weeks now. Mm. Ollie, do you feel yeah. like, uh, as a City fan, like I'm a City fan myself, we're watching Guardiola at the moment, and people don't tend to think about this as much as the players, but as you just mentioned then, two tactical changes, bringing also Bernardo back onto right wing and also the Fernandinho centre-back thing, and then Zinchenko out of the cold mm. uh, yesterday. That, he's put, he was fantastic as well. Do you feel like we're watching a manager as well in great form? Because managers don't, don't get talked about in terms of form, but everything he's doing at the moment seems to be going right. Absolutely. I mean... Oh, have we lost him? Hello, Ollie. 
I guess think. his performance is so good that we've lost him. He's uh, <laughs> <laughs> blown away by Guardiola's brilliance. I think we've had some kind of computer crash looking at the screen in front of me. Well, so. I, w- I wanted to say that you, you don't forget that it was only a couple of games ago that you were, you, you know, you were losing and Fernandinho wasn't on the pitch and everyone was thinking, well, he's not there. He's the, he's the sort of the whole fulcrum to the team and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, yes, you've ironed that out. But it did strike me as had that not happened, Chelsea wouldn't have got that tonking last night because they seemed ignited to me. And I, and I looked at that and I have to look at it as a United fan and a realistic one. Not one that's going to sit here and go, well, United, we can't compete with that and we need to get up there somehow. And whatever it takes, like Ollie's saying, it's going to take two years. There's so many players in our team that we sub on and we think, you know, like um, you, you can sub a player on. Like you had a squad depth last night. Where Chelsea must must have just said, "Oh my God, David yeah, Silva's coming on." Gabriel Jesus, Mares, Danilo, swapsies at the end of a game. At the end of a game, whereas these would be key key players at the moment. There's, we we could fit them into our team at United. Any, I'm telling you, being realistically, we could fit them in. Definitely. Like I said, there's a whole lot of players that are being touted as man of the matches in that game and Laporte's being touted as the best centre-back in the Premier League at the moment Sterling's being touted as world-class when you look at that first 11 for City at the moment particularly in the game with Chelsea how many of them do you look at and go you are the best player in the league in your position it must be getting I mean you've got to say it must be 6 out of 11 something like that if not more potentially uh, well you've got the young player of the year on the bench at the moment Sarni you've got Sterling the most uh, he's averaging a goal or assist every single game uh, Aguero is the informed striker in the Premier League Fernandinho in my opinion no one comes close to him in the Premier League in terms of holding midfield I think he's possibly the best in the world in his position and uh, then you've got obviously Kevin De Bruyne getting back to mm. form Bernardo Silva just showing exceptional form every single game John Stone was alongside Laporte as well was phenomenal um, yeah life is very very good it's, and the squad depth is just phenomenal but you're also you've got players that, that are allowed to play where they like to play and when they're confident playing and this has been in the issue with Mourinho this is the issue with Sarri he's got he's playing Hazard in a position he doesn't like mm. you know he's one of I would draw. I, I could, I could pick a player straight away in United and just get rid of him and have Hazard in he's such <laughs> a phenomenal player like Lukaku, basically. <laughs> <laughs> All this positivity is getting a little bit too much, so let's bring a bit of negativity Please. back into the room. Let's speak to Kerry from the Chels podcast. <laughs> uh, evening, Kerry. You okay? Kerry, not there. <laughs> I don't oh, know wow. where Kerry's gone, so we're not going to be able to negativity. What is going wrong at Chelsea at the I moment? I was going to say, you going to say, what's going on with your BT I'd like to know what's going wrong with my <laughs> computer in front of me, but what is going wrong at Chelsea at the moment? There seems to be a bit of an issue. They're hemorrhaging it, now. It, it hasn't worked with Sarri, has it? No, it's not. And we, they've got us coming up. Now, surely, I mean, we're massively confident now that we, we've, we've seen how you can beat... Chelsea, we can see we've seen how quickly it can fall apart for them. We've got an exciting PSG game coming up. Then we've got them in the FA Cup. Chelsea next Monday, I think it is. I'm massively excited about that game. Have you got it back on now? I think we've got a him. Well, what is, him. Oh, him. Hello, Kerry. How are you doing? You're okay. Yeah, I'm recovering. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you're close to tears. Sorry, Sorry Kerry. I'll be honest with you. When you come off the back of a result like that, and with the utmost respect for Chelsea. It was an absolute tonking. How, do you just have to kind of stand back and go, fair play, that was a performance, and there was nothing we could do about it? First of all, you have to say, I don't really like football. <laughs> and then you have to go, you know, <laughs> you know what? I, we learned so much, you know, as, as fans, as supporters. As a club, hopefully, you, you just go, okay, look, we were competitive for about three and a half minutes. Um, we yeah. were really good in that first three minutes. I, I actually <laughs> sat back and thought, this is going to be one hell of a game. And then it turned into one hell of another game. So, you know, it, the difference between City and Chelsea yesterday was that City are brilliant at letting teams have as much possession as they like when it doesn't really matter. And then when they get opportunities, they were clinical, beautifully mm. clinical as well. And, you know, you can't make two or three mistakes that we made in defence against a team like City. They'll just go, yeah, no, this is why you were struggling for fourth place, because you just don't take your chances. And and that is the biggest difference. But, yeah, you just have to put your hands up and say City were fantastic but we also gave them a little bit of a head start in places and you don't make that ground back 
Kerry, where do you sit on the whole Sarri situation? Because I know, uh, looking online, you see Chelsea fans are really split down the middle in terms of some just want him out and some believe in the kind of longer term vision. I'm not saying either is correct because they're both very kind of obvious sides of the fence. How do you feel? Do you feel like he deserves more time? And is it a case of a culture change for the club or is he just not the right man for the club at the moment? It's really hard. You know, the, the one thing you hear a lot is, you know, people who stick up for Sarri, and, and I'm, I'm undecided about it. You know, the, the guy is, is trying to do something. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, it's not long to be at any club. Um, okay, a, a result like yesterday, and like the result against Bournemouth, and the result against Arsenal, they've not been hinting at where we could end up as a team under a system. Sometimes you can lose games and you can see where it can still get you. Mm. And yeah all these results haven't shown any evolution what we have known and found out now is his stubbornness is second to none that he goes we will play my football and the players will learn to play it so you have to question the players and whether they're the right players to do this but where it leads us and where it leads Harry I have no idea I support Chelsea Football Club Mm. who have a history of pulling the trigger on managers very quickly if it's not working out so I, I, look, I would be as surprised as I would be unsurprised if he went tomorrow or the day after or he was still there in the summer. Anything could happen at Chelsea and it, and it is a soap opera. So I'm just going to sit back and just go, I Ker- can't do anything. I can't change anything. Kerry, how do you feel about him digging out players on in, into the press? Because it's that proven very strange, with Mourinho, it? it's proven that with modern players that just doesn't work. Did you feel it had any effect positively on his, on the team? I thought it may have done some good when we beat Huddersfield 5-0, but then you just go back to playing a a side that's in form and you suddenly go, well, it's still 6-5 down on the week. So, you know, um, I I don't think... Football works. (laughs) Is it an aggregate score across the season? (laughs) It's the only way to get through this. Aggregate score to get me through it. I don't know. I, 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 I... I don't think it works. Personally, I think the modern-day footballer just doesn't put up with it. Something mm. happens, whether whether they show it, and I, I'm still never convinced about this, they don't play for the manager or, or, or sort of thinking, but something happens. If you dig out your players, you can only do it once, surely. If you suddenly get another bad result within the two weeks, where do you go? Look, he dug them out against Arsenal, and then against um, uh, uh, Bournemouth, he, he dug them out and, and basically locked the dressing room door, and we all knew it was only him and the team, and they were going to sort this out. Well, let's look at this. Arsenal, he digs them out, we lost 3-0. Um, we lost to Bournemouth 4-0 dug them out again and now this third time round we've lost 6-0 so something isn't actually working in the digging mm. out so my, my my thinking is it doesn't work it doesn't work where does it go from there the only option is you go, go do what the mafia do and then you just go for the family <laughs> <laughs> Kerry cheers for coming on thank you very much that's Kerry from the Chels which is the Chelsea podcast we need to wrap this up on City because we need to get on to United very soon there is so much to talk about and one of those has to be Sergio Aguero who we were talking about last week after he scored his hat-trick he's and good was, isn't he yeah he's pretty good so he was one hat-trick away from Alan Shearer and his record last week terrible and we didn't expect it to happen within seven days that he'd catch Alan Shearer but I mean where do you start he just seems to be in the form of his life now and he's been good he's been very good and he missed an absolute sitter as well he missed in that mix it's insanity yeah he looked almost angry that he'd missed that open goal and the ferocity put into that shot he absolutely smacked it Uh, and to honest he thought he'd scored already but Aguero is phenomenal Uh, all of a sudden just like that he's back at the top of the you know top these scorers all the moment up there with Salah with 17 goals and averaging a goal every 99 minutes in the Premier League and um, I think he could be playing himself into a a late shout for the PFA Player of the Year. They usually do the nominations around the end of March. And he always gets ignored. Yes, yeah, yeah, so completely he, ignored. If he keeps scoring like this and ends up on 25, you know, 25 to 30 goals mm. in 10 games time, people will be looking at him because they think, you know what, Aguero is the kind of player that yeah, it'll be cool to vote for him all of a sudden and, um, and he would deserve it because he's phenomenal. Uh, Here's a stat and it's very difficult to criticise this man and I don't want to criticise this man but is there still a question over the amount of goals he scores away from home? So the positive is 
There's a stat that, and I have to get this right, I have to read from my sheet. If you look at the top eight teams and the goals he scored for City, mm-hmm. the big six are in the top eight teams he scored against. Okay, does that make sense? So he's scoring... So against the big teams, he's got, he's when he's playing. away, he scores. No, he's scoring goals in general against the big right. teams. Yeah. So in yeah. the top eight teams he scored against, six of them are yeah. the top six, essentially. But when you look at the amount of goals he's scoring away from home, it doesn't really tally up. So only three of his 17 goals this season have been away from home. Yeah. Only six of the 21 he scored last season were away from home. And you'd maybe expect a slightly bigger return. And that is being hypercritical... But does that become a concern at any point? Or? I'd be interested to see the comparison of other top strikers, you know, in terms yeah. of because home games you tend to rack up bigger goals because teams teams sit back a little bit. And six out of twenty-one, you know, it's well, fifteen out of twenty-one at home doesn't sound that bad when you say that, given the fact that City tend to win bigger at home. Um, yeah, you could maybe do more, but then um, I'm not bothered as long as you keep scoring goals because we still have the likes of you know the, the Ryan Sterling tends to do well on the road and then we've got obviously you know Sane and people like that who can score goals Aguero uh, at the moment is in the form of his career uh, so I, that would be incredibly harsh a lot of them are you know on that pitch Sterling's so fired up every game now conviction it, with Sterling now that's the difference for me yeah, last year mm-hmm. he was in good form but now he looks like he's going to score in terms of the way he ran towards that ball for the first goal um, that was um, it was it sounds strange to micromanage his body kind of language but the way he moved towards the ball in previous years he would have kind of scuffed it a little bit but this was conviction of a player who knows he just scores goals these days and knows he can create he's looking senior to me which is a big thing for him and isn't it incredible that still City aren't top of the league at the moment the way they're playing <laughs> Well, and the, we are, the skulls they're of. scoring. There was a supercomputer that predicted <laughs> the... You've seen these? No, not this Mark Lawrence. <laughs> a supercomputer <laughs> did all the predictions, worked at all the results from now to the end of the season, and Liverpool end up winning the league by seven points, according to that supercomputer. To win every game. They won every game, and they wow. didn't concede a single goal <laughs> between now and the end of the season. I think yeah. it seems slightly unrealistic, so we'll have to see how the season pans out. And it's unfair to not focus on United, as well because despite City winning 6-0 there was a 3-0 win from the other half of Manchester we'll talk about that in a second and I want you to answer the question for me as well if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had taken charge of Manchester United at the beginning of this season would they now be challenging from the title we'll answer that question next on the Manchester Football Social Manchester Football Social subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show Manchester Football Social this is the Manchester Football Social, your chance to talk about your team. Steve Shanyaski is in the studio for the Reds, Steve McInerney for the Blues, and if you want to get involved, it's 0345 7625. You don't have to listen to what we're talking about. You can set the agenda. You can tell us what you want to talk about this evening. And very soon we're going to be talking about Manchester United and their 3-0 win over Fulham at the weekend. And if... Solskjaer, had he been given the job in the summer, would he be leading Manchester United to the top of the league right now? Would he be challenging for the title? Your opinions, 0345 one 7625. Before we crack on with that, though, I want to talk about one of our former colleagues here at the Manchester Football Social and Manchester United hero, Mickey Thomas. You might have well have seen over the weekend the sad news that Mickey has been diagnosed with stomach cancer and he's going to be undergoing treatment later on this month. During this time when he's undergoing treatment, he is unable to do his normal work on radio shows and TV shows up and down the UK. And as a result of that, he has no source of income to pay for his treatment and to support himself. His friends have all clubbed together and they've set up a GoFundMe page where people can donate money to help support Mickey during his treatment and recovery. And I'd just like to say, Mickey was an absolutely top man, or is an absolutely top man. He's one of those absolutely massive characters that everyone here that you work with and the football social had uh, so much time for. A man with thousands of stories and a man who was always keen to do everything he could for other people and to help out his mates. So if you've ever worked with Mickey or you've ever enjoyed his football punditry or you've ever just met him in the street and liked his personality, then now is the time to show your support. We're going to put a Twitter link to his GoFundMe page on our Twitter page. You can find that mcr footy social if you've got a five to spare or ten quid to spare or whatever it is and you want to donate it and you want to get involved you can do that there and i think mickey probably would have been proud of the performance of manchester united this weekend who came away three nil win with fulham which was a great result particularly considering steve the changes that was made by solskjaer 
Yeah, it's um, you can tell he was thinking about PSG on Tuesday when he yeah. uh, picked that team, and it, you know, you if you were to pick a team that you would say that's the winning squad at the moment, you'd have Rashford straight away, uh, Martial, um, Pogba would be on the pitch straight away, and um, without that speed at the front, it just felt like I was I was a little bit worried when it isn't like that, but mm. it just was no problem because Fulham are just so so off. At the moment, it's. I feel. I feel a little bit sad. I, t- I will I say like this. You're not taking the positives from this like you should do. I <laughs> no, feel no, like no. You're, wait, you're wait, going wait, for wait. the let negatives just, on Fulham let, rather no. than the positives on United. Well, let me just say this. I don't know what's going on with Ranieri, but you see, I, I love Cecilia. I think he's a great player. You won't pick. Yeah. You won't play him. And the, the team's in free fall. Stick him on the pitch. Let's see what he can do. The kid. The kid might have. You know the the chutzpah to actually do some damage. But anyway, regardless of that. Pogba's first goal was absolutely fantastic. Um, we we kept on pushing in on that left wing, and then at one point <laughs> Lukaku was in the middle. I think it was just he was coming in late, like he does. He just comes in a little bit too late a lot of the time. And Pogba just thought, "I'm going to say this on myself." Inside post, it looked co- completely unlikely. It was a, it was going to go it was in? Pure Aguero that goal, wasn't it? <laughs> it really was. Honestly, it was an angle. Yeah, yeah. no right I, I, I wondered why you suddenly just seemed a little bit more excited about speaking. Like you know, tight angle smacks into the net. Good goal. Yeah, and absolute. Marshall's is even better. Marshall's well, was going to say which was because they were two very different goals. Yeah. Pogba had no right to score there. You'd have to probably, if you're questioning it, you'd question the keeper not saving that one. But Marshall was the kind of goal that United fans love. Yeah. When a player goes on an amazing run and just slots it in, that's a pure United There's only goal, one thing, it? there's only one, one way those runs end in it, really. <laughs> there's something about the Zen moment where they just get that run. Yeah. Like Giggs against Arsenal years ago. You just know what's going to happen. Well, Marshall against Liverpool when he first arrived. Um, yeah. He reminded me of that goal and um, he's a player banging form, obviously, after his five-year contract. And then Pogba, eight goals. And Statman Dave's not here, so I'm filling the void. Eight goals <laughs> and five assists uh, in 11 games under Solskjaer is absolutely Absolutely phenomenal. So fair play to him. He's absolutely on fire at the moment. Uh, the big question: Would they be where they would be if Oli been at the wheel from the start? No. Uh, it's not, it's not, I say no. I have to say. Agree. Not in a bad way. I just think um, there's a bigger test has come for them, and they've still not had that negative moment, which will happen because no team can win 37 games out of 38, or whatever. Eventually, they're going to have a loss, and it's how they react to that. And and just when complacency. So where would they be? Would they? Be, I mean, surely well, they'd be somewhere different to where they are now. Their goal difference would be higher at least. Eight to ten points better off, maybe. You know, right. my, around Spurs. Yeah, my yeah, my theory is had Solskjaer started with them at the season, that the way that the, the dressing room was, they were all they all would have been a bit suspicious of him. He'd come from he would have come from yeah, a, a terrible you. time at Cardiff. Mm. You've got the likes of Pogba who seemed to be running the dressing room, and this guy turning up. Solskjaer, yes, he's got a fantastic history at United, but they would have been massively suspicious, not confident, and again just questioning and not having that. What they've had at the moment is Mourinho demoralise them as human beings so to such an extent that literally anyone turning up saying play with confidence just go and enjoy your that's football simple, that's surely it's just so simplifying easy. ridiculously what he's done to say he's gone in there and just made people feel better is a few, has to simplify what he's done yes he must it is yes, more his, his tactics have been fantastic but he's also he's got them playing with confidence which is quite easy to do if you treat them as as what they are, which is fantastic mm. footballers, and putting them in the places where they want to play, get, make, making them regular players, not tutting every time like Rashford misses a shot. Yeah. These are these simple little things that build up as, as superstar footballers that just give that confidence that they need. That's Steve Shniaski. We've got Steve McInerney over there, and we've got Steve on the phone. <laughs> Who's going <laughs> to answer this question? <laughs> Evening, Stephen. Hello, Jim. How are you, mate? Very well, my friend. So, what are you saying? Would United be challenging if Ole had got the job back in, what, August? I don't think we'd be challenging if he'd started the season. I think it's just been one of those perfect events that has come about. And uh, sometimes these things happen by accident. I mean, Van Gaal got lucky, for want of a better word, with Rashford when he brought him in. And it sort of saved his... I didn't say his skin ultimately, but it, it, it sort of got people behind him at a time when mm. people were losing confidence. Uh, I just think it's one of those moments that hopefully in years to come, we'll look back at it and just go, that was absolutely the right time at the right place. If, if you did a, our survey says outside Old Trafford for Moyes, Van Gaal and Mourinho and Solskjaer, the numbers for Ollie, even before this set of results, 
would have been much higher. Nobody was inspired by Moyes. Nobody was really inspired by Van Gaal, but we needed the ship steady in. Mourinho had his critics. Um, and I just think that Ollie coming in, he's obviously got Sergi's ear and wants to listen and wants to learn. And I think this is just spreading through all the players. And, uh, you know, we couldn't be happier. We're not going to win the league. We probably won't win anything. But everything is pointing in the right direction. And um, it's been it's been mega. So if he had, if he if him being appointed in the summer wouldn't have had that impact, if you don't believe he would have been the manager to take you onto a league challenge think, this season, does that mean he's not the man for the future as well? No, I think he would have just had people scratching the head. Um, I think if he'd come in at the summer and perhaps not, you know, not been back and just been told to shuffle the pack that he had, I don't think it would have had the uh, the the impact it's had. It would have it would have had the media would have had the knives out whereas he's, he's coming again the right time with that run of fixtures uh, you know we'll never know what Jose could have made of them but it was the perfect <laughs> run of fixtures we have a feeling though really it just we just felt like it was getting worse and worse and worse I'll yeah, say I'll say two things though. Firstly, like it, f- it feels like United's been in a coma for five, five and a half years, and and, and Solskjaer is a shot of adrenaline to get you out of that coma. The thing is now, the rumours are, say Solskjaer does well against PSG and gets us through to the next stages of the Champions League. Yeah. That seems like that's all it'll take for him to get the the golden ticket. How do you feel about that, Steve? I, I don't think that's unreasonable. You know, I think since. You, you know and I know that, that we were dreading the day that Fergie went because it was going to be just such a seismic impact on the club. And I don't think anybody has, has anticipated how big a impact it was, it was going to have. You know, we've been, we've been rudderless. I mean, when we had the ground painted last summer, Fergie would have picked the paint if he'd still been in charge. You know, it was, <laughs> it was, it was every decision was made by him. And that's what's been missing. Um, and I think we've, we've tried, you know, the Scotsman, we all know what happened there. We tried the older head with Van Gaal. We tried Mourinho's winning experience. None of these have worked. You, you, you've got to say, she gets a result of PSG. And again, with Neymar out and potentially Cavani, you know, these are things that can, that mm. can help. And if he gets... The result, he's got the squad behind him, he's got the crowd behind him, big time, which none of the others had to this extent. And uh, I'm, I'm going into tomorrow night thinking we can definitely get results. so excited about tomorrow. I was dreading yeah. it, but I'm so excited. Steve, cheers for your call, mate. Really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Incidentally, Manchester United have moved into favourites for that game against PSG tomorrow night now for the no, first time. No uh, Cavani and no Neymar. So, big yeah. misses. Yeah. Massive misses that are going to be for that game. So... With a view to Ole Gunnar being permanent manager, yeah. does that make the January transfer business that United did or rather didn't do look slightly strange? And I think the business they did do, they got rid of Fellaini, so I don't think there'll be many complaints there from many Manchester United fans. But re-signing the likes of Ashley Young to a longer contract, Phil Jones to a longer contract, obviously Martial as well, which now looks like a fantastic bit of business. But can you see the sense in those moves? Yeah, Martial, <laughs> yes. Um, there's just one name there that, that freaks me out, and it's Phil Jones. I just don't see... If we want to challenge and be that squad that's better than City, why, where does Phil Jones fit into this? Yes, I see, he, he must be some sort of squad player, really, because yeah. he just doesn't fit into that super team that's going to destroy City, Liverpool over the next mm. two years. I don't see where he fits into that. For me, I think it actually makes sense that they didn't sign him because if you want to test goals in terms of management, you don't essentially give him anything to pay. You just say, well, right, okay, go, go and use the players you've got. See what you can do with that. And if you can then do it with those players, then you go, well, you've earned the chance to spend some money. And I think that's probably fair. And I think he didn't really want to spend any players. He's had no reasonable time to actually compile a list of players given the fact that he was managing another team only a week or two earlier. Uh, so to me, it makes a lot of sense that they didn't sign anyone because uh, the squad was in a state of flux and it needed someone to come in and just kind of get something out of the place and then kind of assess it in the summer so for me yeah, it made perfect sense really my greatest fear what was going on with Jose and I said it um, probably a couple of months back on air was that um, we'd lose to Gea it just felt like everyone mm. would want to leave had he stayed now he's gone Jose's gone that negativity's gone 
And I'm hoping that this whole new sa- re-signing players that are currently there is a culture that he's actually trying to develop. Mm. Because Solskjaer isn't a lone wolf. He's three people. If you watch every single game, it's those three people having a conflab. It's Phelan, yeah. Carrick and Solskjaer. And that is how they operate. It's not one person. And behind all that, Which is how you've got Fergie. Football runs you've got in Fergie. You know, it's, well. you know it's a four-person thing. You know it's happening. So we've got every chance in terms of tactics and managerial like clout and stuff like that. So yeah, I just think we just we need to strengthen up and not. I think there's Jones. There's no doubt that United need to strengthen. But I actually think I'm with you, Steve. I think that was a really smart move by what they did by securing these key players into their position. It might not be they want Phil Jones for the next four years. I can guarantee you they don't want Phil Jones for the next four years. But what they've done is they've got a team that was starting to bond. Together, they've yeah. got this team. They've got. Yeah. Let's get you all together. You're all part of the same club. Yeah, You're all here. They're developing that culture where yeah. people, yeah, where the people want to stay. Which at is United. a really smart thing to do. It is exactly the opposite from what Jose Mourinho was doing at that club. He wants to sell Martial at one rifts. point. Yeah, exactly. So for me, I've always said on this show, like um, that, I do believe the biggest test for Solskjaer comes when everyone settles down after the summer and they have to come back and get ready for work again and all that kind of stuff. But the argument is getting stronger and stronger to give them a go, and it could be the situation where they go. Do you know what? we'll just put him on a rolling contract and mm. because he loves the club and because everything's gone there he'll probably take that he probably would be like alright that'll do for me and you don't have to give him a five year contract you take 12 months and see how it goes and develop um, but you want I'm that security as well don't you sorry you want that security you want you want I don't to think know a man's going to take it forward I think he'd understand that he hasn't got the, the pedigree in terms of the experience and he'd probably appreciate his situation is quite unique because not every kind of manager is the same not every situation is the same I'm not saying they should do that but it wouldn't be a bad bet and mm. there are still managers out there definitely more qualified than Solskjaer and it would still be a risk but at the situation United at the moment pretty much the past few years has been a risk everything's been a very it's been a loss and I guess sometimes you need to kind of grab on the positivity and there is an argument to say if it's working Maybe just give it a go because what else is there at the moment? You know, like the fans it, it, are crazy about him. Mm. You listen to the, the the match at Craven Cottage, all you could hear was it all the way through the Olympic on the Solskjaer waterfall song. It's just fantastic feeling at the moment. It's it's so different to how it was, and um, I. <laughs> I hope he stays. I really do. What you don't want is a situation like Di Matteo had at Chelsea where a club legend comes yeah. in, does very well, wins the Champions League, next season falls apart. You don't yeah. want that kind of scenario. And that to me happened once again because uh, the, the energy's gone, because complacency mm. sets. And that's human nature. And it's no one's fault, it just happens. And that's where you need some experience to get the players going again. So, who knows? I always liken it to having an awful job that you absolutely hate. They've been through that and they've come out of it and now yes we're not going to win this season but we can have a good crack at the Champions League we can have a good crack at the FA Cup and then look to next season to get all that hatred and that feeling of misery and use that as experience to drive these players with Solskjaer into another season with an absolute like elation and the fans just behind every minute of it We've still got loads to talk about on the Manchester Football Social this evening. We're going to talk about Paul Scholes, who is now the official manager of Oldham Athletic. Some of your suggestions as the best ever City performance that you've watched. Sorry, United fans. And <laughs> we're also going to be talking about the man of the moment. I mean, we can't talk about that Manchester City game, the 6-0 victory, without talking about Mike Dean, can oh, we? Oh God. Do you love yes. him or hate him? 0345 We'll do it next on the Manchester Football Social. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. This is the Manchester Football Social. We're about red, we're about blue, and we're about everything in between as well. All teams welcome on this show. We've got Steve McInerney for the Blues, we've got Steve Shanyaski for the Reds, and we're joined by Niall as well, who's our journalist here at the Manchester Hi, Football Social. Hello. Hi, Niall. Hi, everyone. And the reason you've joined <laughs> us in the studio is because Paul Scholes has been officially announced the new boss at Oldham Athletic, the worst kept secret in football <laughs> yeah, history. Yes. It's been yeah. rumoured for about six months. <laughs> I finally well. pulled the plug. No. So you were at the press conference today. I was, yeah. What was the atmosphere like at the club with him being announced? Did it feel like the age of a new dawn? 
I tell you what, that's very, very poetic, Jim, yeah. to be honest. Um, like you said, the worst kept secret in football and, and one of the um, Oldham executive staff said that when they unveiled Scolzi at the press conference, they could not have picked a smaller room at Boundary Park. There was about, there must have been a, a good hundred press there with cameras. You couldn't move for people. It was absolutely heaving. In comparison to the Sol Campbell Macclesfield press conference, I get all the good gigs, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was absolutely heaving, but there was a lot of smiles about the place. I think people are genuinely excited about what Skulls he might be able to do. When I first heard the news a few weeks ago, because like you said, it's been in the pipeline for absolutely ages, I wondered whether he fits that managerial mould. Mm. For me, he doesn't seem the sort of type who would be able to be... I don't want to write him off because that's a bit harsh, but he doesn't seem the sort of managerial type... So I know what you speak. mean. It's hard to see him as a man motivator. When you watch him on television, he doesn't <laughs> seem to have that personality. Had it not, had it been any other club in the country, but it's Oldham. He's, he is Oldham. He loves Oldham. His sure. father used to take him to Oldham when he was a kid, I think. Mm. He's got, he's got it in him. And that, and that is the one thing he's got going for him because it certainly isn't his personality. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, Skulls made a point of saying that if the owner gets involved in the team selection he wouldn't be there at all mm. so he, he wanted to make it clear before he went in and took the job that he will focus on the football team and the owner will focus on the football club as a whole but he did mention about how he was uh, in the away end at, at Wembley with his with his dad a couple of times um, <laughs> watching watching Oldham in the early 90s going on a cup run and stuff like that so he, he does have the club the club does have a place in his heart there's mm. no doubt about that the concern for me was that he actually came out and said that it is a risk for him and he's left yeah, himself definitely. wide open. He's never done management before. He's not really got any coaching experience. He's got his badges. But in terms of hands-on experience, mm -hmm. this is a sort of baptism of fire because at Oldham, much like Chelsea in a way, there is a bit of a sacking culture there. They tend well, to keep he's going to be given managers. extra time though, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of favour in, as you, you say, Steve, he's got a lot of favour in that city that's going to keep him... Keep him in a job a little bit longer. I wonder how much reckon this is like almost like peer pressure because you're seeing, you know, Giggs is now managing Wales. You've got Lampard doing well at Derby, Gerard doing well at Rangers, and he's mm. probably thinking, I don't want to be the guy everyone forgets kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what he's thinking, I want a bit of this. Well, like, he's got well. Neville to balance that out, hasn't he? Gary Neville, who <laughs> doesn't go on quite he's, so he's well. He's the little now, isn't he, Neville? But like, do you think, he, do you know, honestly, I think there could be something in that relatively because it's gone well for them. It's relative risk free. He loves the club. Yeah. You know? It's the best place for him to start because. He's got absolutely no experience whatsoever, but the club love him. Yeah, and then you never know what might come after this. Because I, I think he he's go quite smart because it's a good time to go in there because they're 14th in League Two, I believe. They're not going to go up. If they get the playoffs, it'll be a miracle and you've got to tip your hat to him if he does get them in there. I don't think they're going to go down because they're too good for that. So almost like at this moment in time, he has got a free hit. Like he, he can kind of do whatever he needs mm. to do before the end of the season. I think next season is going to be the real test. And like I was saying before, Oldham do have this this horrible knack of just getting rid of managers when things aren't going too well for them. But let's just let's just wait and see how he does. He says it's a risk. He says he knows it. It's a challenge that that it's going to be difficult for him. But he did apply for the job a couple of years ago when Richie Wellens ended up getting the job. Mm. He's obviously since been sacked. He pulled out of the running then, didn't he? I think. Yeah, I, I just think Richie Wellens was was a little bit too strong a candidate mm. as as good as Paul Scholes is, and he's going to bring a few extra hundred people through the gates of, of Boundary yeah. Park. There's no doubt about yeah. it. If not else there's uh, going to be a few extra bums on seats exactly and then that relationship he's got with Nicky Butt through Salford and of course Nicky Butt's relationship with Manchester United as, as academy coach they've got some young players on loan there under 23s player Zach Durnley scored on Saturday on his debut so that could be quite an exciting partnership mm -hmm. over the years really interesting to hear what he said about his partnership with Salford City as well saying he said I don't really do anything at Salford he said <laughs> yeah. just sit there and watch games as a fan so I'm surprised the EFL actually cleared that because mm. let's just say Salford do get promoted to League 2 they'll be facing off against each other in, in opposite dugouts I know Gary Neville and the boys. Well, then it will be a question, won't it? Or mm. is that it? Is that done and dusted well, now that his involvement with Salford will have no impact? Yeah, there was something today. I think he sort of extricated himself a bit from yeah. any sort of legal business or whatever it is. So I, I think he, I think he made clear that if they come up against each other, he'll be trying to make sure that Oldham beat Salford, and Salford will be trying to make sure they can they can beat Oldham. I think it's as simple as that. They'll yeah. be trying to beat him. He'll be trying to beat them. It's it's just one of those things. But really, really interesting because we've never seen that before no. in the football league. At least not I can remember. So. I wonder how he gets on. I hope he does well for the for the sake of him and stuff like that. But 
as class I said before, I can't really see Class of 92 any... managerial track record is a bit bizarre up and down and stop start, isn't it? So I, I like this. As a, as a City fan, I like the fact that he's gone to Oldham, he's gone to a, yeah. a traditionally smaller team. No, no disrespect meant to Oldham at all, but uh, managers uh, with their reputation can usually do quite well, you know, get, mm. get a decent job. And he's gone there and it's like, so Campbell, Macclesfield's gone yeah. to a small team. She's done all right, Campbell. There's well, been a lot of criticism. He's done all right. So. There's been a lot of criticism in recent years about Premier League footballers wanting jobs in management but refusing mm. to go any lower than the championship. And right. even the championship was kind of belittling to him. So it is nice to see someone yeah. with an experience of the game going into a smaller club, as you say. My concern would be, and I don't even know whether this is founded, I've not played the game, obviously, anywhere near the level that these people have, but if I was Paul Scholes and I'm used to being surrounded by David Beckham and Nicky Butt and Gary Neville... Mm. The playing suddenly using players and working with players that are nowhere near that skill level might become a frustrating experience. I think well, it's a good point. Uh, just for me, I think if you're a player at League Two, I mean, a lot of the players in the Football League are, are sort of quite young. I mean, maybe early to mid 20s, but then you, you do get a few older ones, obviously. They would have watched Scolzi play yeah. and they would have seen him and thought, wow, what a legend. And you've heard Zidane say that Scholes is one of the best players he's ever played against. Everyone puts him in their favourite 11 in and terms of the, the players manager. they played with. Now yeah. he's the manager. So that's bound to have mm. a positive impact on those players. He, uh, he'll he surely have that work ethic thing that um, uh, Fergie drummed into him. And Solskjaer was one of the first things that Solskjaer said when he took at United was that no... Um, United team should ever be run off the pitch by the opposition. We should always have to work harder than the others. And that'll be what he'll... So regardless of how good the players are, if they graft and work, they will grind out results. It will happen. Mm. He says he hasn't spoken to Fergie yet, but I'm sure that will change before too long. <laughs> Fergie will be subtly managing every team in Manchester by the time we get to 2020. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like an overreaching figure of some kind. Niall, thank you very much for coming in. You can catch Niall on the EFL and Below show, which is our new show, all about the Manchester teams that aren't City and United. Basically, if you're a Berry fan or a Rochdale fan, make sure you find the podcast. Search EFL and Below show wherever you find your podcast. That's it for the Football Social. We'll talk about Mike Dean on the podcast for this show because I want to talk about Mike <laughs> Dean. Steve and Steve, thank you very much. Thank you very thank much. You. And I'm going to stick around and play some tunes. We've got Kasabian, the Charlatans, and a new tune from Grandson on the way next. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Cheers for listening. Hope you enjoyed that one. As you have just heard, we didn't quite get round to talking about Mike Dean, who was obviously the man in the middle when Manchester City beat Chelsea 6-0 and still amazingly even in a 6-0 victory <laughs> somehow made it all about him oh, he's, he's a character it. that divides people so I thought we'd have a quick chat about Mike Dean because there's a love-hate relationship between football fans and him at the moment <laughs> what side do you boys stand on Steve you can go I first I cannot stand the guy <laughs> whatsoever why should a referee try and be the superstar he is just the official that's that's what his job is mm. watching him at the end when Aguero got he's got his uh, um hat trick and he hid the ball round his back and tried oh, oh great, just, great football banter wasn't oh, it oh it was just cr- it makes <laughs> me cringe it makes my skin crawl it makes my stomach turn I don't no. love him, but I hate him, but I love him at the same time. He's a narcissist, he's strange, he absolutely loves the attention, which makes it great fun. He's a and panto he's villain, for, isn't he, a little bit? Essentially, as I said off air before, if, if this was wrestling, he'd be like the comic heel guy, you know, the bad guy <laughs> who kind of sneaks from under the ring, hits a chair, then does the whole, what, me kind of face? <laughs> and I love that. He's pure Vince McMahon. And that's what I love about him, because it basically... He just loves the attention, and even though he's awful, he does make my skin crawl. At the same time, I do appreciate the theatre of it, because football, mm. I, I think it's more fun when there's a, a little bit of a lack of respect in the game, because you get these kind of silly moments that make you laugh. And to be honest, um, the amount of footballers I would do if I was a footballer, I'd be winding people up all the time. I even love the fact that City was well played uh, one step beyond after they beat Chelsea. Oh, more of that, that in football. Either. But you, no. know, you know full well that the, the players on the pitch want to be pals with him, because you know it works in your favour. I've seen Rooney in the past <laughs> really, really chatting and having a laugh with him and it completely worked in our favour there was a time two, two scenes in, we, he was our 12th 12th man basically Mike Dean <laughs> without any question um, he's up to his 99th red card this is the right. new big okay. thing oh, I can't wait. this is all so exciting and it's the, ma- the main thing in the Premier League is when's that 100th red card he's probably going to well, like this is something I want to ask because I quite like him I think he's a character I think football needs characters because it's more and more completely devoid of any personality football it's being hammered out of the players it's being hammered out of the management so I think you need it why not have the ref doing it I like it when he does his like Saturday night 
that Saturday night fever kind of thing as he's pointing <laughs> the corners that whatever camera zoom as well it was pure oh, Bollywood that, that wasn't was it it was amazing if you're going to do it what's it like these Brazilian you see on like YouTube and stuff where these holding the card yeah. up in the air like an absolute lunatic but is there a negative here you mentioned the 99 cards thing and there's a fuss about whether he's yeah. going to produce his 100 card I reckon does his desire to be centre of attention ever affect his decision making is I he think... going to sway towards that controversial decision just because he wants a little bit of attention if he is that much of a narcissist I reckon eventually he'll try not to do it just so I'm like oh will he won't he kind of thing <laughs> I think he'll try and like kind of carry on he'll be like clinical like really bad red card challenges you're like nah everyone's like oh when's Dean gonna get the red card and you'll probably get Bucky's kind of betting on before kind of he will I think be he'll in really the next season it. of Dancing on Ice won't he I'll yeah, tell you, yeah. I tell you <laughs> what I think that. about him right he's a narcissist and if he, if he was on if he was managing if he was official, uh, the official at a game on Valentine's Day halfway through the game <laughs> he'd come running over to a player he'd pull out a Valentine's card not a, not a yellow card or a red card and he'd open it and it'd have his own name on it <laughs> He'd written it for himself. <laughs> he loves himself that much. I can't stand him, me. Let's very quickly talk about the other slightly contentious issue today, which I also think was a little bit ridiculous. And it was Manchester City playing the wrong song at the end of that the match. That was intentional. <laughs> well, no, yeah, yeah, it was intentional. And they played One Step Beyond, which is the song that Chelsea traditionally play when they beat significant, inverted commas, opposition. It's the song they play. They play Blue is, <laughs> blue is the Colour when they beat anyone but if they beat like a good side they play one step beyond and City obviously played that at the Etihad Stadium and all the Chelsea fans got a bit bent out of shape about it and City have officially apologised really for playing the song the world is just a melting snowflake isn't it it's funny it's genuinely (laughs) they did it a couple of years ago as well and um, what's football if you can't do that it's essentially football is entertainment we don't watch it to you know to pontificate about the seriousness of you know society and football is just it's an escapism I watch it for fun and entertainment and the more times you can playfully wind someone up I'd do it to That's my mate pantomime, yeah why wouldn't you, you do it to your friends like like you'd laugh if your mate trips over you know like everyone does that kind of stuff uh, so why would you not laugh at and disrespectful it was it was go- goading or more gloating that's the word I'm looking for disrespecting football please. goading I think more disrespecting football I think potentially more. right the issue here is not goating no it's not goating completely different that's something thing. that goes on in the fields of Saddleworth mate that's <laughs> a completely different thing um, I, I think the other side of this <laughs> argument and I'm trying desperately to try and add some balance to it, (laughs) is that it could create... Because football fans, there is an element of football fans who are idiots, and because they hear the wrong song at an end of a match, it might cause them to go and do something that we don't want to see in football. Been a it's few difficult it, to justify that side of it, though, isn't it? There's been a few incidences, really, where it's like it's, it's, you think football might be slipping back into its old ways and stuff like that. But this just was... It sounds like fun. It's funny, that. I get it. It's funny. And you mm. hope that those people that get so... And they're not just trying to find trouble, if they're that kind of character. Mm. And they're not yeah. looking for They'll find for trouble yeah, anyway. Yeah, this they is were a very doing it. They'd be doing it anyway. I think the other big thing as well is football fans are really superstitious. And they believe that if you do something like that, it's going to be thrown back in your face and given the fact that we're playing Chelsea in the Carabao Cup final mm. I guarantee you now some City fans are absolutely um, <laughs> yeah, but it's the the they're basically God. very it's nervous bothered. now about losing and hearing that song thrown back in their face and um, this is true I mean I don't really believe in living life that way I think just enjoy it while you can uh, we're in decency and respect but yeah I, I can see why some people don't like it I can see why people do like it thank you boys for your comments today Steve go and have your bath thank you I will Steve you can Steve's got jet I'll dry lag you off. off jet lag after <laughs> flying from Lisbon apparently oh, which I'm not sure is no jet lag I just got up at 4am so alright fair enough so, uh, so Steve's going to go to bed Steve's going to go and get in the bath and we'll see you very soon on the next Manchester Football Social make sure you subscribe to this podcast give us a review that would be very nice and we'll see you soon <laughs>